Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM, 87.6, 87.8 or 88, right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Lawson. Lawson, what are you, what are you thankful for this morning? I'm, I'm thankful for a number of things. Right. Um... <laughs> okay, so, okay. so maybe I should talk about what I'm thankful for this <laughs> yeah, morning. Yeah, yeah, you go first. Okay, so let me think. What can I be thankful for this morning? Well, the end of digital. I mean, of I course. know I've been thankful of that a number of times before, but we had a great time last night, Sharissa and myself. Uh, we went out with a subject. We got to talk all about Ethiopia. Yeah, I was watching. And, uh, you know, you missed out on the on the best part of Ethiopia, which was up north in Axum. Wow. Yeah, sorry, I was just preaching the gospel and you know helping people. No, no, no. While, while we were in, while we were in Axum, Lawson was doing a milk run around the world from. Oh yeah, pretty much. <laughs> from, from this is my our flight plan. It was Sydney, Hong Kong, and then like Hong Kong to London, and then London to Ethiopia. It took like sixty five hours because <laughs> <laughs> it got delayed and flights got cancelled and flights got. Changed and yeah, redirected oh, and all over the wild. place, and then, and then like a six-hour bus ride once you got to yeah. Ethiopia. <laughs> yes, dude. And and after all of that, Lawson has what an, an hour to catch his breath and then he's preaching again. And then I, yeah, that was man, I forgot about that. Yeah, I literally went to the hotel and showered for the first time in sixty hours. I showered and then got in the car and went and preached. It was lit. <laughs> See, this is this is a young man's game right here. This is this is what young people do. You know, uh, Etienne and I, who had been doing the tourist thing up in Axum and then um, Lalibela, we were like, yeah, nah, this is, nah, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> and, and Lawson's just like that. They, they want me to preach. Yes, I'll preach. I'll, I'll go. I'll preach. And I preached because someone dropped out. Like, I was replacing someone. And just You're listening there. to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positively, positively different news. Positively different news. Oh, yeah, check this out. So, you know, as most people are, usually sceptical of big corporations, right? Yes. Particularly, like, when they're, like, the biggest corporation in the world. Like Monsanto or something. Oh, well, I was talking about Walmart. But Walmart, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah, Walmart same, is, like, same category. literally... They're the biggest private company in the United States. Yes. Like, they're which is kind of crazy because they are, like, domestic to the United States. Yes. Yet they're like one of the biggest private companies in the world, mm-hmm. which is just crazy. But check this out. Walmart will be investing nearly $1 billion over the next five years in career-driven training and development for its workers. It's like, okay, all right. Well, okay, it's going to train its workers. What That's does cool. that mean? No, the largest U.S. private employer, the company has announced that last week that it will pay 100% of college tuition and books for its associates through its Live Better You education program. So, okay, so if you've got a job at Walmart, you can apply for a scholarship to basically get an education so you can work and study at the same time. Is that the kind of thing we're talking about here? Yeah. So current, uh, this will affect immediately 1,000... Um, uh, wait, was it 1,500? Wait, no, hold on. Let me read this. This means approximately 1.5 million part-time and full-time Walmart and Sam's Club's associates in the US can earn college degrees or learn about trade skills without the burden of education debt. That's very cool. That is super cool. I thought if I was, was... In, the, if I was in the states right now, and uh, I had some uh, young people in my family, I'd like get yourself down there, get yourself get a, a job at Walmart. Job at Walmart. <laughs> That's your key to free education, right there. Which is like I've I've talked to Americans about this, and they're, they're like Walmart is like 
the it's one of those jobs like up, up until i'm now like working for the church full-time i was working in a servo it's the same kind it's of job just this, it's like one of the easy you know or you work at coles or you work at jb hi-fi or whatever it's, like, it's, it's a just, it's a it's a it's the kind of job that doesn't require a high level of education to get yeah you just need a are willing to work, yeah. willingness to work. Mm-hmm. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great job to have. It's fan- And it's fantastic for people in, you know, my position as a student or like, and that's perfect, what they recognise is that. that heaps of people working there part-time and full-time are like just students or it's, it's a stepping stone role. You know, that's you right. can work your way up to, you know, a manager at a Walmart or a servo or something. And then you kind of, from there, it's like, oh, but I'm doing my degree on the side as well. And then you... You know, unless you get like a senior management position and you're on like a decent salary, which usually requires like a college degree or something like that. But so they've recognized that. Um, and they're like, they've just made this big commitment to be able to, yeah, particularly in the United States where university is so expensive. I did my taxes yesterday and it's got all the information there about my, uh, my student debt. And I was like, oh, yikes. Ow. Yeah. Especially cause like, you know, ministry and theology isn't a hex. Um, degree. It's not a Commonwealth degree. It's a, um, a fee help degree. So I, I, you know, I only have to pay it like through my tax and all that stuff. But at the same time, you know, I don't get any subsidization. So I've, I've done like one year of study and I looked at my debt and I was like, Oh, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, dude, like Walmart is just taking a step out and just helping these people. And I'm like, where are the Australian companies doing this? We like, we probably don't even have, so they're helping 1.5 million people who are employed at Walmart. We probably don't even have 1.5 million people going to uni in Australia. Probably. And I'm like, why can't they do that for us? They probably got more than that, but a lot of them will be foreign students. Oh yeah. 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 And but in terms I, I, I of like in terms of know. like Australian citizens, oh man, I would love to get that statistic. Yeah. Be I'll, interesting. I'll look it up because I'm I'm really like it wouldn't it wouldn't be educate, that are they going to do the equivalent of educating Australia? Dude, that, that, that potentially would be, be interesting. Potentially. That's crazy. All right. I, oh Lyle, I have a story. I have a story that is directly in line with what you were talking about in the end digital last night. Oh, cool. It's, a, it's about the Holy Grail. And the Ark of the Covenant. Yes. And essentially a... Uh, histo- a new theory. I could have talked about this one yesterday. A, a, dude, a, <laughs> a historian has come to the conclusion, and they're currently mm. excavating a site where they believe that the Holy Grail and the Ark of the Covenant are in Staffordshire, England. Right. And the, this... <laughs> so, wow. uh, historian... The Holy and- Grail is not even a thing. <laughs> The historian and anthropologist David Adkins is convinced that the priceless treasures which were taken from Jerusalem in 1307, which is just wild history, like, because then you're assuming that it it went with the Knights Templar. Yes, it's possible. It's possible. Mm -hmm. But the Holy Grail is not a thing. Why would you go digging for it? Yeah, anyways... Were stashed beneath a Sinai Park house on Burton and Trent, uh, um, in Burton on Trent. So that's you know a town in the easy, UK. Easy way to solve the, that? Just the, the, buy the house and knock it down. So and- this is the thing though: is that the house is like a. They said it's like a Grade Two historical site. Like the house is super old. Oh, and so they have to do all this kind of tiptoeing around as they're excavating it. So got a tunnel underneath of it. Yeah, well, they, they, that's what they're trying to Why do. Can't they just run a metal detector over the top, and it's all made out of gold? So yeah. Right? I mean, the Holy Grail was probably made out of ceramic, mm. you know, because Jesus was a peasant. It was probably nothing special at all. Mm. And certainly to be kept, no, 
No, that's just rubbish. Yeah, the Holy Grail, no such, from yeah, what yeah. I understand, it's a cup, right? It's the cup that Jesus used in the Passover service. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what it is. And people believe it's got, like, magic powers because he drank from it or something. <sighs> it's relic, so, relic, so, so, relic mongering. So the interesting there's enough, thing... There's enough wood for the cross of Jesus to make about 30 crosses in various churches around the world. <laughs> It's just, it's just ridiculous relics. Um, okay, now the Ark of the Covenant, on the other hand, that would be the real. Dis- that 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 like, is real, and that would be the discoveries of the century. It would. It'd be the discovery. I mean, when, when the, the, the crazy thing is that the Passover service, who would have gone? Oh, let's keep the cup. They had no idea that Jesus was even about to die. They had no idea what was going on. Let's keep. They, would, they weren't into those kind of things back in the day. And being peasants, it would have been made out of clay. Yeah, would have been ceramic. <laughs> Yeah. The crazy thing is, this guys, I've been researching it for 34 years, so I've really got a complete history of the place and looked at into the archives and no one's touched it before. The interesting thing is, is he's doing all this excavation work, right? And he's like, I am dead set sure it's here under this house or in this house or whatever. But this article has come out and not with the discovery that they've found it, but with the speculation that they're going to find it. And I'm like... Tell us when you found it. Yeah, just not. not. <laughs> <laughs> Especially here's, like, and here's the thing: is it's, it's plausible that the Knights Templar did find the Ark of the Covenant. That's mm. plausible. They were tunneling for about ten or eleven years underneath uh, Solomon's Temple, mm. and that it, it's plausible that that would be a place to hide the Ark of the Covenant. Mm. What makes it a little bit implausible is that. It was lost again. Yeah, no one knows where it is now. Yeah, exactly. And if you found something like that, you'd be telling people. Especially because they were, like, English. Yes, and they, exactly. they, would, they would have put it in, like, the, the, the museum next to the Rosetta Stone. So it's like, yeah, fair enough. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Wow, what's happening? Yes, okay, so there's some interesting stories. Uh, we're going to start with this one in Washington State. Oof. and uh, Seattle. Seattle. Mm-hmm. And so here you've got a situation where basically the, uh, <clears throat> the state has removed the right for religious organizations to hire co-religionists, uh, which basically means that if somebody turned up here, uh, like, for instance, let's say I left this job and, and, and you were interviewing for someone to replace me on this particular job and somebody turned up who was a Buddhist or a Hindu or a Muslim or, you know, whatever they might be and applied for the job, you would not be able to deny them this job based on the fact that you have theological differences with them. Wait, if they were, like, a Buddhist, yeah. they, don't even, they don't even believe the same thing. As, exactly. They're not even the same religion. Exactly. That's, that's the point. That's the point. Yes. And so basically what it is, is it, it, is, it is the state deciding what theology is appropriate for you to believe and for you to promulgate rather than you getting to decide that. That's so dumb. <laughs> it's pretty wild but that, stuff. But I'm it's not pretty a, wild stuff. Like, I'm not a Buddhist. Like... Where, and where, like, if we take, if we use our example, if it was a Buddhist, if it was, a, and, and this is, and this is what's, this is what's amazing about this because Australia has uh, the, the 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 least, you know, the smallest, the most flimsy framework for religious liberty of any Western country. Mm. We basically have none, mm. but we do have 
what is called exemptions that allow for discriminatory hiring and firing by religious organizations. Now, the word discrimination sounds bad, but in this context it's actually good because it means that you can choose to hire or fire someone based on the theology that they believe. So, for instance, if somebody turned up here and was of a different faith, you could say, no, we have a different theology and we want to hire somebody to be the host or the co-host of The Breakfast Show who shares the same theology of, in this case, the Adventist Church because that's who owns The Breakfast Show and Mm. that's who owns Faith FM. Mm. Well, the state of Seattle has just removed that right. Yeah. Washington State, they're just like, nah. Yeah. Like... Okay, and, and basically, well, here's how it came about. Um, there's a homeless shelter, and of course, all of these come, things come about by, by setting precedents. Mm. There was a homeless shelter called the Union Gospel Mission that has been there since 1932. It's been catering to homeless people for a very, very long time. And there was a guy who applied to, uh, to work there. Um, Matt Woods was his name, and he didn't get the job because he didn't agree with the theological positions held by the Union Gospel Mission. Mm. And so he sued. And, of course, it was laughed uh, out of court. How how he, can you sue for by, get, by not okay, getting a job? I'm like, like, if you get fired from a job, for just, then I'm like, oh. But, but if you just don't qualify to get into a job, how do you have the right to sue? That's, uh, that's silly. So he anyway. sues. He gets, he gets laughed out of the lower court. So he sends it to the Supreme Court of the state. Mm-hmm. And they upheld his position. It's it's pretty wild. What kind of liberty, on what constitutional right can they base that? Well, there is none. Now it's been appealed to the Supreme Court, and it will be interesting to hear whether the Supreme Court is going to actually hear this case or not. I I think that the Supreme Court will be smart enough. Hopefully the Supreme Court will spend about 30 seconds looking at it, write a judgment, hand it down, and move on. Because this is... This This is the most basic religious liberty issue that is in existence. But there's no legislation in the Constitution that protects that right of the... Because the person's coming from the perspective, the person who's suing them, that, oh, I have the right to not be discriminated against because... But there is is no... Because of my theological position. But there's no legislation that supports them in the Constitution. So anyway, that is I hope the Supreme that Court is, that is the issue that is taking place thing. right there. Of course, uh, Matt Woods identified as being uh, bisexual and disagreed with the theological position of the Union Gospel Mission in relationship to the Seventh Commandment, mm. uh, which requires you know, marriage and commitment and so forth, um, upholds the biblical-based uh, relationships. And so, yeah, that's, that's where our world is heading. Okay, heading across to Virginia... Virginia's gone a different way in getting rid of religious liberty. They have now decided that the state has the right to define church doctrine. So this is a case in relationship to the Presbyterian Church in Virginia, Mm -hmm. and uh, they have an interesting system in the United States where churches have tax-exempt status. In Australia, charities have tax-exempt status, and if a church runs a charity, then that charitable wing of the church only has tax-exempt status, Mm. but the church itself doesn't. In the United States, the church has tax-exempt status for its clergy. Okay. And so the state of Virginia has stepped in and said that, well, uh, within the Presbyterian church, the only person who is actually clergy is fully ordained ministers. Okay. 
So uh, Bible workers, chaplains, interns, licensed ministers, elders who are working in full-time ministry. So basically what they've said is that we believe that your theology is that only somebody who is uh, ordained by the you know laying on of hands or whatever they do in the Presbyterian Church, anoint with oil, I, I, I don't know, different churches do it in different ways, uh, is actually qualified as a minister, whereas the Presbyterian Church has said, no, somebody who's working in full-time ministry is somebody who qualifies as a minister. Mm-hmm. And so the Presbyterian Church says, this is what our theology teaches. The state has said, no, this is what your theology teaches. Oh. And the state says, well, we're right because we have the power and you don't have tax-exempt status for anyone other than fully ordained ministers. So if you're working as a Bible worker, Lawson, you, 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 you're not a minister. You're not ministering to people. Mm. If you're working as a chaplain, if you're working as an intern, if you're working as a licensed, I mean, I'm using phrases here that are familiar to our particular faith tradition mm. because that's, you know, what I can, I don't know what the, the, the different levels are in the Presbyterian Church. We, yeah. we um, mostly have the Uniting Church here in Australia, but it would be somewhat similar. Now, that to me seems like a massive, massive overreach by the state when the state can actually define what doctrine you have mm. and how you define somebody who is a minister or not. Wow. So, yeah, interesting to see religious liberty kind of going out the door uh, in the United States with one court decision after another. Once again, this one has been appealed through to the Supreme Court. We will see what happens. And once again, the Supreme Court should consider that one for all of, like, 20 seconds. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> well. a UK-based think tank has highlighted a whole bunch of COVID, pro- COVID problems and come up with a solution. Now, the biggest problems that they've, they've looked at that have developed as a result of COVID is working from home, which means that people are always on and the nine-to-five office hours have gone out the window. Mm. And so working from home has been great for a lot of people because you get that you know, opportunity. To, you, don't have, you don't have the commute. You don't have to fight with public transport. You don't have to deal with any of those kinds of issues. But it's also been really, really bad because unless you have worked very hard to develop a work-from-home ethic it can be very challenging. And I say this as a minister, and as ministers, we've always worked from home. Our mm. office has always been in our home. And for about the first, I don't know, five, ten years of ministry, it was very, very hard to for me to be able to say, no, I can't do that right now because I'm at work. Mm. When I'm at home, it's like, oh, Lyle, can you please go and do this? And you can please go and do that? Well, actually, no, I'm at work. And to be able to draw those boundaries is really, really hard. And then, of course, in ministry, you get phone calls, you know, uh, at all kinds of odd hours about, you know, pretty much everything and anything. And so this is something that people in ministry actually do a lot of training mm. on how to manage. Yeah. And now we have kind of the whole world it was finding out what it's like to be a minister as far as working goes. <laughs> and they have none of the training of actually how to deal with that. It's a major problem. Maybe they should go to church on Sabbath. Amen. Problem solved. <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. But right now on the phone, I have Luke and Selma Willikai. Are you guys with us now? Yeah. Hey. 
Awesome. Okay, so you guys are a part of the new a new song collective album, Endure, and we've been doing a series of interviews with different artists who have contributed to that. I'm um, just asking them all different questions about everything to do with their contributions. So I guess the first question is, um, how did you guys get involved? Well, we um, last year during the lockdown, we we're, we're from Sydney. Mm-hmm. There we we started uploading songs on Facebook, just little videos and um, of, of songs to encourage people during the time. And then um, someone asked us to uh, check this contest out for this songwriting for the New Song Collective. Oh, wow. And so, we, yeah, we just went into it and um, it was on Farms 40 verse 3 and we had to just make a tune to that um, verse. And so we entered in, and and then we ended up winning the contest. And the, the, when we won the contest, there was an opportunity to record a song for free on the New Song Collective. So, yeah, we were so grateful and thankful for that opportunity. Oh, so you you guys have really kind of stuck your way in here, like winning the comp and now writing this song. You're on the album. Your song uh, is called "To the End." Um, how does yeah. that relate to the theme of endure? Well, one of the um, the things that came to mind straight away was uh, endure, uh, the verse in Matthew 24 that talks about he that endures to the end yeah, wow. shall be saved. And so we really wanted to make a song based around that verse. I know that a lot of people were talking about that specific chapter, Matthew 24, during during last year. And, yeah, definitely. Um, we've heard it, you know, growing up a lot. And so, um, yeah, we, we started looking at that chapter and, yeah, that's how we kind of came up with this song. Awesome. Yeah. Something I love to ask um, as a musician myself is, you know, what was then your um, method? How did you go about then putting the song together? You know, we've had talked to a few different people and they said, you know, they got people to play parts from all over Australia. One uh, one girl in particular um, said that she got people to play parts from all over the world. How did you go about like then writing and recording and, and getting that out? Yeah, we, we started writing um, the the words and then we the tune actually didn't come straight away we we came up with a few different tunes and then mm. um one of them was a bit monotonous and then on the i think it was the sunday morning when it was due uh, <laughs> i think it was like a saturday it was due on a saturday and yeah. typical islanders we just handed in and like laughed <laughs> we asked for an extension <laughs> and um yeah like wow. after that it all just yeah off from there yeah yeah with the the tune we had it on the Saturday night um, we asked if we could have an extension and we we sang it to um, our our father our dad um, Salma's dad he's the one that sang the guitar and the bass in it and yeah wow yeah we we, um, sang it to him and said ah I don't think that's a a good tune it's not very um, quite monotonous and so we, yeah, we came back to him the next morning and then, yeah, uh, Salma actually, she came up with that tune and um, that's how, yeah, we finalized it. And, yeah, got it down, yeah. recorded and sent it through. Did you yeah. have someone mix it for you or did you do the production yourself? No. Um, no, we uh, recorded it in um, Glendale with uh, Reese. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we had the opportunity to go up there and, yeah, yeah. Um, that's where we recorded it. Yeah. 
Awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting with us this morning. We're actually going to listen to your song right right now. Uh, this is Luke and Summer Willakai with To The End from the, uh, the new Endure album. Thank you. So we patiently for the Lord. 
You are listening to Faith FM. We've come to our interview section this morning, and we're continuing on with our series of interviews with people who are a part of the A New Song Collective uh, Endure album, their volume two. And on the phone with me, I've got Sandra Enterman. Sandra, are you there? I'm here. Awesome stuff. So you feature on this new album. Uh, you featured with the, the a new song collective before, um, and yeah, this this new song you've got. It's called Wait Well. A fantastic track. And we asked like, similar kind of questions to the people that we've had on here before. And I I just want to start with how you got involved with this project. Well. I don't know, but I want to say that what an honour to be asked to be on these albums. And of mm. course, being number three, you don't want to just presume that because you were asked to be on number... Oh, well, it's number two, isn't it? Excuse yes. me. Number zero was the <laughs> first one the New Song Collective put out. And because I was on that one and the second one, which volume one, mm. I don't want to just presume, you know, that you're going to get invited to be on number Two, which was the third album. Yeah. I'm just so grateful to yeah, Carly, wow. the producer, you know, and, and those who sit on the team to, to make it all happen that they invited me to be on it. Interestingly, I was getting ready to turn it down on the third time, you know, on that album because I don't really consider myself a songwriter. I just sing everybody else's music. <laughs> and so the first two, I had songs already written that just worked, you know, yeah, for those. Wow, wow. And they were written years ago. So I didn't really have anything up my sleeve. And my life is a bit crazy busy. So I didn't feel like I was going to be able to contribute to this one. But in the course of the conversation with Carly, before I even got to hang up, I started hearing in my mind the song. I started hearing the chorus, the hook. And so by the end of the conversation, I said, actually, no, let's say yes. I just changed my thing and said, yeah, let's do this. That's so <laughs> awesome. Home and wrote it. <laughs> now, the theme of the yeah. album is Endure. You've written this song, Wait Well. How does that relate? You know, what is the song about and what, what are your thoughts behind it there? Well, look, some years ago, I heard a sermon by my sister-in-law, Leanne Enterman, mm. called Wait Well. Mm. And she really challenged me. I'll just never forget that message. She really challenged all of us who were sitting under the sound of her voice that day. You know, how well do we wait? Mm. When, when things in life aren't going our way, how well do we wait in those circumstances? And is our Christianity sweet sailing until those times? And I never forgot just the title of her message and the little instances she shared throughout that message that were very relatable mm. to how we, you know, it, it sounds like this really the, the song is focusing more on our patience or lack thereof, you know, more than mm. endurance. But I switched that thing up to, to really land on the endure theme, asking God to give us the endurance to wait well. Yeah, wow. Um, in all sorts of circumstances in life, and then finally to um, leading people to Christ who aren't necessarily coming as fast as we think they should. Mm. And then, you know, eventually at the end, you know, waiting on Him, you know, are we waiting well for Him to come and, and take us home? And it just came really fast. And so I was really grateful to God for that because, again, I just, and not known for my songwriting abilities. Yeah, well. <laughs> I'm known for singing everyone else's songs. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Now, I'd love to know, and this is something that I, I love to ask as a musician myself, what was then the, the creative process for you? It, I, it sounds like the song kind of came to you, at least thematically. Um, how, mm-hmm. did it, how did it come together for you, especially, you know, within uh, the scene of, of COVID? We've had some people share, like, oh, we, you know, I had people playing instruments from all over Australia from me and sending me their parts, like, 
like how how did that process go for you? Well, this was prior to COVID, so we were still, you know, getting around and meeting well. Mm. Um, but I just sat, you know, I was talking to Carly on the way home from work. I was on a phone call with her when I was just going, yeah, no, nah, just don't think I'm going to be able to contribute to this one. And um, by the time I got home and was still on the phone with her and had had the melody line and the, and the chorus coming to me mm. while I was talking to her, I thought, I've got to get out of the car. You know, I hung up, told her, yep, actually, we're doing this. I will do this. But went in and sat down in my um, living room and just started typing, you know, madly the, the lyrics for the chorus mm. and quickly recording onto my phone, just in voice memos, the melody of that chorus so that I wouldn't forget it. Yeah, yes. And um, it was just sit down that one evening, just sit and write lyrics and, and hope they make sense and hope they rhyme. Yeah, and, yeah, um, yeah. And then and the melody line just came really easy. Um, I'm not a musician. I mean, I learned piano and I can play enough piano to sort of kind of amuse myself. Mm. But it didn't, I wasn't sitting at the piano. I'm not a guitarist. I, you know, didn't sit with a guitar. I just sat alone, you know, in my thoughts, just with God and thought type, should I say, as it came to me and then recorded onto my phone. From there, I um, sent it to Carly and the review team, you know, just for them to approve or not. Mm. <laughs> and, um, and I sent it off to Joe Tyler, who is one of my guitarists that I work closely with. And then Joe and I just sat together one Sabbath afternoon by a river. We just went and had a picnic by a river, took the guitar and just sat there and he played away. You know, he listened enough to work out what to play and I was like, yep, yep, no, no, yes, yes. You know, and, and there it was. And so we quickly recorded that as a demo and, and, it, and kept it as simple as that. It's just voice and guitar. Wow. Oh, so good to hear. Well, we're going to play that song right now. Sandra, thank you for joining us. And uh, right You're now, welcome. We, we are going to play Wait Well by Sandra Entman. We'll be back after this. line at the grocery store with a million and one things maybe some more that you've got to get done to meet a deadline do you stand there and curse or wait well then you get on the road and you find yourself stuck just ahead there's a learner driving his truck and there's no chance to pass no alternative route do you sit on his tail or wait well? And that friend that you're meeting, you're gonna let down. But you get there to find, they're nowhere to be found. Now they're holding you up, it's time you don't have. Do you pace up and down or wait well? Christian that you're following Christ Every chance that you get You share the Lord of your life But so many take so long To accept and believe Do you give up too soon Or wait well And 
there's some in your family who are wearing you thin. You have prayed every prayer you can send up to him, but you're not seeing change, no improvements in sight. Do you write them all off or wait well? And the world's in a mess, getting worse every day. You find yourself wondering how long will he take? There are so many suffering, can he not see our plight? Do you question and doubt or wait well? Do you wait? He will come when he is ready. It won't be too late. Just be sure that you ask him to give you this thing, the endurance you need to wait well. Oh, be sure that you ask him for this very thing, the endurance you need, the endurance you need, the endurance you need. To wait well. That was Sandra Enterman with Wait well from the new a new song collective album the theme is endure we've been interviewing all different artists who are involved in this project about their different songs and right now on the phone we've got michelle mcclehagger michelle are you there yes i am oh so so good so you're involved in this project um you've got a song on here called joy comes in the morning uh, i just love to initially ask you as i've been asking all the artists how did you get involved with this project so it's quite bizarre, actually. It was Sandra Enterman that referred me to Carly, oh, um, wow. and Carly contacted me for the very first album, the children's album, but mm. with everything going on in my life at the time, I couldn't. So um, Carly reached out to me to, when they started doing a new song collective for the first album. Mm. Um, so from, yeah, that I had uh, my song on that album was called Faith. and yes. And then, yeah, this time... Joy comes in the morning. So, ah, oh, so good. So, joy comes in the morning. This is related to the theme of endure. Can you just uh, express that, explore that a little bit for us? You know, you, we've got this theme, enjoy. You've got your song, joy comes in the morning. Um, yeah. What, how do those things really relate? So, I guess for me, like the world is pretty messed up at the moment, and mm-hmm. you can find the joy in everything. Um, but for me, like. Being, I was in a pretty dark situation at the time when I wrote this song. Oh, wow. I guess I was just trying to focus on the fact that through every situation that comes, every trial that happens, joy will always be there in the morning. Like, it, you know, it was sort of, I was trying to rein in on the verse in Psalms, chapter 30, verse 5, where it says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. So I sort of took it from that. Because through every difficult situation that comes, God is always there and there is always joy in every bad situation, no matter what mm. the 
Wow, wow, that's so that's so powerful. I love it. This song, you know, relating to endure, which is this idea of of keeping going. And this came out of a, a dark situation for you, where you're looking forward to to the thing, and that's keeping you going. Oh, that's really really powerful. Something I love to ask, especially being a musician myself. What was the creative process for this? Um, you know, how did it come together? You know, we had some artists on here saying that they were yeah. getting different parts from around Australia. We had Sandra on before saying that she, you know, it's just her voice and a guitar. Uh, we had some people saying they they were uh, contracting people around the world uh, to be involved in this project and send them parts. How did that come together for you? So for me, it was actually. I couldn't sleep. It was about 11 o'clock at night mm. and I just, I really like to express myself through music. I just sat yeah. down at the piano, not even thinking that a song would come out of it at all. And just this tune started coming in and I playing it over and over and adding different things here and there. And yeah, I came up with this tune and I rang my dad the next day because he plays guitar and everything. So he came up, worked out a guitar part for it and... I'd written down just a heap of different words that I wanted to put into the song. Like it was just a jumbled mess of different ideas that I wanted to incorporate. So that morning my dad came up and we just sorted out the jumble of words and had a song that afternoon. Wow. <laughs> it, was, it, it was, for me, it was very much a, a God moment of like, wow, this song is, is meant to be a blessing to so many people because it just mm. it came out of nowhere. Like that's so awesome. And then you just hopped in the studio, s- smashed it. Well, yeah, because <laughs> of COVID and everything, my dad had started doing a home studio. Yeah, so we yeah. actually recorded everything in our home studio and sent it down to I think it's Sunlight Studio, and he did all the mixing and everything for it. Mm. So, yeah, from there we've got Joy Comes in the Morning. Praise the Lord. That's so awesome. We're going to listen to that song right now. Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Michelle. Thank you for having me. It's been a privilege. Awesome. But right now we have Joy Comes in the Morning by Michelle Hagen. We'll be back after this. Times I lay weeping, nights without sleeping. I wait at the foot of the cross Have mercy on this dust In you I put my trust For I know your joy will come in the morning And with gladness I'll praise your When the world 
for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.